Well, uh, we are continuing um, in our Epistles of John series. We're in 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 4, and this sermon is titled, Test the Spirits. I'm going to read uh, the passage, and actually I'm going to start off with uh, 3, verse 24, the end of chapter 3, um, because I believe it's a trans, uh, transition verse uh, to our passage. So beginning in 324. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Um, So in our last section in chapter 3, a couple weeks ago, uh, John took time to tell his readers how they can know. How they can know. This is how you can know. How they can know uh, that they have passed from death to life. I think there's a slide there. Um, And two, how they can remain in God. How they know that they remain in God and God remains in them. And the way that his readers are to know this, according to John, is as they show love for one another. So this is interesting. It's, It's less about, this is how you know that God is in you. And this is how you know that you remain in God and that you have passed from death to life. You have this sign or you have, you know, these things that exhibit um, this knowledge. But rather, it's when you love each other, when you actually love each other, that's how you know. Because there's something, when God is in you, that's going to be exhibited by how you love each other, by how you relate to one another, by your relationships by the kindness of your heart, by, by these very tangible things. And it's something that we practice, that we do. Our love muscle, right? We work out our love muscles and make them stronger. And as we love one another, then we actually know, this is how we know that God is in us. And this is how we know that we have life. And then the second point, which is uh, uh, verse 24 of chapter 3 that I, I read, uh, they will also know that God is in them Because of the spirit, right, we know it by the spirit he gave us. So God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can know that he's with us, right? When Jesus ascended into heaven, he promised the disciples, an advocate is coming, a comforter is coming, the spirit is coming. Don't worry, do not fear, right? I am am with you. And throughout scripture, kind of God with us, this idea of, Even in the Old Testament, my presence will go with you. With the birth of Jesus and the coming Messiah, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God is continually reminding his people, I am with you, I am with you. My presence is actually among you. I I care about you. I love you. I'm walking alongside you. I'm walking with you. And Jesus, again, before he ascends to heaven, and I'm, don't worry, even though I'm physically leaving you, a comforter is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming 
to be God's presence among you, to be uh, my love in your midst. Are you with me, church? Awesome. So we have been given the Spirit. We've been given the Spirit, one, to, uh, because it allows us to be certain that God is in us. We have been given the Spirit which witnesses to us the truth of Jesus Christ. We have been given the Holy Spirit so that we can discern what is true. The Holy Spirit, right? Be certain that God is in us, God with us. The Holy Spirit witnesses to the truth of Jesus Christ. If you're wondering what's true, who is Jesus, what is Jesus, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the gospel, helps us to understand the truth of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit helps us discern what is true. And I would add to that, uh, just as Jesus came and he healed people, he renewed people, he gave the blind sight, right? He set the captives free. The Holy Spirit is doing that among his people and in the world. The Holy Spirit is doing that in your heart. He's renewing your heart. He's making you new. He's setting you free. Where we are blind, he is making you see. All of those things, the Holy Spirit transforms as the real-time presence and power of God in our lives. So how do we make decisions? Because we're going to get here, but I think this is the main kind of point of this passage. How do we discern? How do the people of God discern or make decisions or figure out what's true? And I thought about growing up, all the ways that I made decisions. Even though I grew up in a Christian home, you know, you hear all the Sunday school things, oh, just pray and God will tell you, right? Pray and God will give you confirmation in your heart which way you can go. As if there's this, like, yes or no answer and God's going to go boom, right? And sometimes he does, right? But all of you know, right, if you've lived life, there's been so many times where you weren't quite sure what to do, right? If you're honest with yourself, I don't know what to do. And we all turn to our little superstitions, right? Whether you like it or not, we all turn to our little superstitions. So me, you know, you know those eight balls? You have those eight balls and you shake around. And then there's, you know, it says, yes, maybe, or no, or definitely not, right? Um, even though, oh, obviously this is just a gimmick. It's not real. But something inside us is like, ooh, it said yes. What does that mean? Am I going to marry this girl? <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, let's shake it again, right? Yes, yeah, that's right, right? Or with a flower, Does she loves me, she loves me not. And then if you're good at math, you're counting ahead, and you're like, oh, man, I better change that. Um, we have all of these things that help us to make decisions. We turn to things when we're unsure. We turn to anything, right? We turn to objects or spirits or things that'll give us clarity that'll give us stability in a time when we're in transition or we're instable or we're unsecure insecure right we all do this we look for signs right i i remember um i was dating uh i was dating uh a young lady and i was wondering like oh should we continue? You know, it's going to be long distance. Should we go further? You know, should we commit even more? Is this just like after college? You know, it's over. And uh, her initials were M and M, right? And 
if you look at your hands, right? On your hands, like your li my lifeline has like makes an M shape, right? An M shape. And one day I was like praying, and then I looked at my hands, M and M, and I was like, it's a sign. God is telling me she is the one. She's the one for me. And we have all of these crazy superstitions, right? You think people aren't religious or aren't spiritual? We're hungering, right, for truth. We're hungering for the out-of-body to come and speak to us. We're hungering for prophecy. We're hungering for the word of God. And we'll look for that in anything. Some of us look to logic, right? Look to best practices. And this is the hardest one, right? Because it's the one that makes the most sense, right? We'll do a cost-benefit analysis. And you should. Everyone does that, right? Here are the pros and cons of this decision. Here are the pros and cons of this decision. And we lay it out. But, you know, what happens if it just makes the decision even harder? Because both sides are good. Or what happens if... One side is, you know, is looking better, but you're like, I don't want that decision. You know, we start like scooting things over to the other side, right? Because we are people that uh, want to be in control. We want the tangible. We want the concrete before we leap into a new situation or into a decision. We want to know that that decision is going to be the best thing for us. Right? Or in the church world, or in the religious world, for instance, what if someone comes up to you and says, I feel the Spirit has been impressing on me, Nathan, that you need to quit your job and like, do mission work. I just feel that in my heart. God is saying to me to do that. You're like, on the one side, you're like, man, God is speaking. On the other hand, you're like, I'm not hearing that. Right? Like, how do you discern? In a community of faith, how do you discern if who's speaking from God and who isn't? Right? If I just stood up here and started speaking in tongues, da -da 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 -da, right? Some of us would be like, oh, you know, what's going on? Something's going on. Some of us would be like, I'm going to the wrong church. Right? <laughs> how do you discern the spirits? How do you discern the voices? Right? How do you know when someone is speaking, that they're speaking from God, that something's from God. Guys, never do this. Never go to a woman and say, God is telling me that we should be together. That's like a sure way to like not be with that person, right? Okay? Even if you know, don't say it, okay? How do you know that? How do you know that? Experience. <laughs> Um, so discernment, I think um, actually that discernment um, is the muscle um, that the church today, the contemporary church, that we desperately need right, to exercise. Because we're, we're all in this place. We're all like, what do I do? We're all trying to figure out, what is God saying? Right? What does he want me to do? And we're willing to turn to anything to tell us. 
but at the same time, we're never quite sure, you know? And if this, this group of people says one thing, we're like, yeah, but these people are telling me something else, you know? And we need to really grow in practicing discernment, testing the spirits, right? Listening to the voice of God, right? Understanding that he that's in us and among us is greater than he that's in the world, right? And if we really believe that truly and deeply, right, uh, we would seek that with all our hearts. We would exercise those muscles of discernment. Those would take precedence over maybe like the best choice or the most logical choice or the choice that gives me the most money you know, or where I want to live because it's cooler, right? If more people use discernment, then Seattle's population wouldn't be blowing up, right? <laughs> we know it's a great place to live, um, but get out of here. Uh, no, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> so this is what John is talking about, right? The issue that John is addressing in our particular section uh, is that of discernment. He's telling them, uh, that not everyone who claims to be speaking from God is actually legit, right? How do you know who speaks for God? How do we test the spirits? How do we discern the truth of God? Uh, for John in this letter to the churches in Asia Minor, the way to recognize the spirit of God is if the, that speaker acknowledges when they uh, acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. So you got to remember in context. In context, John is kind of refuting people who are coming in and saying that Jesus uh, was not human. Right? Jesus uh, couldn't have come from God and been human at the same time. They undercut the humanity of Christ. So John is saying the way that you test the spirits, the way that you know that this person is from God, is he's addressing this particular issue. We have to remember that. This, in this context, he's addressing this particular issue. He's saying, you need to, if they acknowledge that Jesus was human, right, and sent from God, then they're legit. Then they're from God. But if they don't say that he has come in the flesh, uh, if they don't acknowledge that, um, then they aren't from God. So these false prophets were speaking who are speaking this kind of uh, heresy that Jesus was not human and was not from God, uh, he refers to them as antichrist, right? And so here we got to make a distinction again. There's the antichrist. You know, you hear revelations, the antichrist. That's the big guy that comes at the end of all time. That's antichrist. That's against all the things that Christ stands for. Um, but antichrist, little a, plural, um, is in the here and now, there are already spirits in the world, right? influences the world that are against the kingdom of God, that are against Christ, that are influencing us in a different direction than Christ. So he calls those antichrists. And so what John is doing is he's saying, those who believe in the incarnation of Christ and that his life, he lived on this earth as God's presence among us and did an atoning work Right? of saving us from our sins by dying on the cross and resurrecting, right? if you believe that, you're with Christ. If not, 
you're an antichrist. Um, and so he's saying, in order to test the spirits, in order to discern this, that the person and the work of Jesus, right? You have to really acknowledge and claim this, because it's and, and in particular the humanity of Christ. That God, for loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son, on the earth, right, to dwell among us. And it's my contention that it matters. It matters that we grasp and hold on to acknowledge and accept the full humanity of Christ, right? It matters because when Christ was on earth as a human, he loved people. He touched people, right? He spoke about setting the captives free. In the inauguration of his kingdom, he said, I've come to set the captives free, to love the poor, right? And he talked about the kingdom of God, right? He ushered in this kingdom of God that is both here and not yet, right? And then he called his disciples to be a part of the, that revolution, to be a part of that alternate reality of God's kingdom, not the world's kingdom, right? And so what Jesus did, what he modeled, how he lived his life, and what he talked about for us dwelling on the earth, it matters. And so if we don't embrace the humanity of Christ, right, then none of it matters. None of what we do and say, none of how we love people around us matters, right? None of our relationships matter. None of kind of what we, why we are gathered in church as the body of Christ matters, right? What are we doing here? We're singing songs, right? None of that matters unless Christ came down, at, right? And then he defeated death. Right? And that's the power of God. That's the, we all, we all know that stuff, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what we come together to, uh, every Sunday as a church is to celebrate that Jesus was sent from God as flesh to love humanity, to heal humanity, to walk among humanity, to die, to save through his resurrection, for humanity. Every Sunday, actually, when we come and gather to worship, we celebrate Easter, little mini Easter's, mini resurrections. It's an Easter every Sunday that Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. Jesus has risen. He has risen indeed. But what does this mean for us? I think there are a lot of voices out there, right? as I alluded to earlier. There's a lot of voices out there that we would seek out uh, for the way, right? To show us the way. We like to be able to quantify, to measure, to evaluate the cost and benefit. We feel comfortable in our decisions when we're able to judge all the facts and figures. But even when you've done all these things, don't you still ask, how do I know I'm doing the right thing? Or how do I know when someone says to me, I think God is saying this to you? Um, like I said, I believe spiritual discernment is the most vital muscle that we today in the church need to exercise. We need to learn to strengthen and use. Uh, we are a generation of lost souls. We're little right, floating in the 
tide of oceans, right? Little seaweeds, plankton, if you will, plankton. Of course, there's the sensible, right? There's the common sense choice. There's the practical decision. There are best, best practices. But some of the ways we make decisions or evaluate truth are actually very secular in nature, if you think about it. Very worldly. How do I know what neighborhood to live in? Where do I send my children to school? Do I go to private school where they can get the best chance to do the best thing, have the best available? Or do I go to the neighborhood school where, you know, there's more diversity, maybe there's more economic and cultural diversity, but there's these influences. Oh, I don't know if I want to subject my kids to those. Right? Where do we live? What job are we going to take? If you're in school, right, what am I going to major in? What career path do I choose? You know, marriage, children, how many kids should I have? When should I start having children? Uh, all of these are decisions that come up on us and oftentimes the way we evaluate truth is uh, very secular in nature. But John is saying, test the spirits, right? And this is why John is saying, the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. It's not about the thing, it's about the relationship, right? It's not about just the evaluating all the objects out there. It's about, it's about who's inside you. The spirit, you know because this, you have the gift of the spirit in you. You know because you have Jesus in you. And because you have Jesus in you, it's not always the most common sense decision that's the decision you should make. It's the decision that Jesus, and the, through the Holy Spirit, is pressing on you. And still the question is, how do we discern, right? How do we discern? Right? What is it mean to abide in Christ. We have to know Christ more. We have to practice God's presence. We have to practice listening prayer. We have to practice living, doing life together in community, not just by ourselves. Uh, the spirit that acknowledges the lordship of Christ that has come in the flesh and that he is from, uh, that has come in the flesh uh, and that is from God. Um, that is the spirit that, we, that speaks the truth. It's the indwelling of the word in us. And as we, in so much as we love one another, we give witness to the world of the love of Christ. So you're wondering, like, if you go back in the Gospels, what did Jesus say uh, about how we know his presence, how we see his presence, right? How do we know Jesus is in us or around us? One thing he said is, if you love the poor, if you clothe the naked, if you visit the prisoner, if you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you do it to me. So somehow in loving our neighbor, right, we're loving Jesus. So that's one way that Jesus becomes visible to us. And John even says that. You know that God is in you, right? 
if you love one another. And so when we love people around us, we see Jesus. Right? So one thing, one good test, testing of the Spirit, if you're figuring out, oh, is this the right way? Where do you see Jesus? Right? Where, another way to ask that is, where is the path of love? Where in this situation, where is the path of love? And I don't think we ask that a lot, right? right? Should, I be, should I take this job at Group Health or should I take this at Swedish? You know, we, we had all these decisions. Should we church plant or not church plant? You know? um, and there's so many ways you can evaluate that decision. Um, but I think in the end, where is Jesus means one of the ways is asking, where is the path of love? Where is he calling me to love other people, right? We need to ask that a lot more. Um, so that's just one example. Um, another example is Jesus said, my church, right, you are the body of Christ, Right? The church is the body of Christ. So in community, in the church, we also see Jesus. Right? So when we're discerning and making a decision, I think naturally uh, it should involve community. Right? Our friends, other, other believers around us to pray together and to discern together because that's the body of Christ right? in us, around us. Um, so another way that we can discern is to come uh, with a group of people that you trust. You know, not the, not the annoying, dumb people that don't listen and make whatever you're sharing about them somehow. But like people who really care about you, not good. People who care about you, to sit down and pray, hey, I'm struggling with this decision, right? Can you pray for me? And it takes a lot of trust, right? Because you're opening your life. You're opening your heart and just the trajectory of your life to other people. That's a lot of trust. Because what if they say something you don't like, right? That means you have to either say, no, I disagree with you, and risk breaking relationship or whatever. Um, It's a risk. But that's another way that we experience Jesus among us is through his church, through his body and his community. That's how we test the spirits as well. And um, that's a big thing for me as a pastor, right? As a pastor, you're supposed to be like, I'm the spiritual head of Renew, right? <laughs> I, know, I have to know everything, right? And that's so wrong, right? What better way to lead people and be the pastor? How can you lead people and be the pastor if you're not actually doing what you're preaching, right? And so one of the things, like, um, our stewardship team, our advisory team, for instance, is a way that I come before our church, our community, and say, I don't know what to do. Can you guys help me discern this? Or when we go to Bible study, and you sit in the chair, we have this practice in a Wednesday night Bible study where one per- we pray for one person, and that person shares something that they're struggling with or uh, I need discernment for this and they sit in one in the chair and we all surround them and we pray for them you know and it's so it's such a temptation as a leader to be like oh 
I can't be the one who sits. You know, they're going to tell me what to do, right? It's so vulnerable, right? They're going to be like, I know, you know. But to sit, to sit in that chair and allow people to lay hands on you and to pray, right? It's beautiful. And, and God speaks. It's trusting that God speaks in that. So uh, enough talk from me. We are going to uh, do a little brief exercise of, of listening prayer. We're going to uh, work those muscles a little bit. Um, and what I want people to do is kind of pair up or get into threes or whatever. And just share one simple thing. We're not going to take forever. Just share one simple like uh, str- uh, kind of thing you'd like discernment for. Like, I'm struggling with knowing what to do in this situation. Or I'm struggling to figure out if this is right or wrong. Or I'm struggling to figure out, you know, what I want to do, how I want to treat this, what do I do with this relationship. Just simple, you know, and just share it with one another and then take some time to pray for one another. Um, and if, we'll see what happens. And if you're led, you know, if God presses something on you, say something to them, like, I hear this. Don't be cocky or arrogant or annoying, you know. But uh, are you guys with me? You think we can do it? So let's, let's do it. Just pair up or triple up or whatever. <laughs> so let's start uh, to close, close our prayer time down. God, we thank you so much uh, for this opportunity and this space to uh, listen to one another and to share with one another and uh, to pray to you and to hear from you. And I pray that uh, what has been started here uh, would become a seed that grows uh, to more, to to more of you in our lives, to more of us uh, trusting in you, of us um, giving our hearts and our decisions and our lives more fully over to you uh, because you are great, because you are greater uh, than anything in this world and you're worthy of our trust and worthy of all of our lives and our our dependency and uh, and the ways that we can come together as a community to uh, uh, be your hands and feet, to be uh, your face, for the other, I pray that you would grow us in um, exercising those muscles, uh, that we would become a community that John envisioned, a community that loved one another and by our love, that we would be a witness uh, to the world, to everyone around us, of you and of who you are. In your name.